Good evening and welcome back to the Wide Open Podcast. Yes, I know. It's been quite a while since uh, I've had an opportunity to do a podcast, partly because there hasn't been a whole lot going on and partly because I've had just a ton of stuff going on in life and district, but it's time to sit down and get this podcast going. So let's start off with paying the bills. We want to thank uh, Rad Custom Graphics for their continued support. Uh, they support uh, District 37, all the District 37 riders. They're a huge supporter of the Sprint Enduro Series as well as the NGCP and Big Six. If you're looking to get uh, graphics for your bike or even if it's just numbers, you want decals, uh, any type of artwork, anything like that, you want to reach out to Ryan, he's your guy. We also want to give a huge shout out to Three Brothers KTM. Three Brothers KTM has come on board to be the title sponsor of the upcoming District 37 Hare and Hound series, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And I cannot think of anybody who has supported uh, District 37 on a more regular basis than Three Brothers KTM. Uh, and I'm telling you, the guys down there, Three Brothers, Ricardo, is they are he is the man. That is the shop. They're the largest KTM and Husqvarna dealership in North America and the the service that they give and the support that they give to their to their riders is unparalleled. So if you're in the market for a new bike and KTM is your thing, KTM or Husqvarna is your thing, you definitely want to take the trip down to Costa Mesa and go talk to the boys at Three Brothers and get get yourself hooked up. Okay, let's talk about all the stuff that's been happening in District 37 since the last time we did a podcast and the last time we did a podcast was an interview with Cody Webb leading up to Last Dog Standing. So it's been quite a while. After Last Dog Standing, we went into our summer break. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a lot of stuff happened over the summer break. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. There's been some stuff that we've been, we've been working on for quite some time that we've been kind of keeping on the down low, although there have been some rumors that have been surfacing about some things that we've been working on. And, and then all the regular stuff that, uh, that is happening within District 37, the, the two extremely successful series that we have, obviously, you know, the, the first one being Big Six NGCP, which will resume first weekend in October at the, at Ridgecrest uh, with the Viewfinders Grand Prix, and then the Sprint Enduro Series. And I am fresh home from the UMC Sprint Enduro, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But real quick, let's talk about some talk about something that everybody's been talking about, and that is the District Thirty Seven Heron Hound Series. The district. There were a, a handful of clubs that decided what they wanted to do was try and put on some hare and hounds uh, to kind of take a step back to old school hare and hound racing. They had a, they had a, a collective idea on what they thought a hare and hound should be, and it was something that they wanted to try and do to try and attract riders back to racing hare and hounds within District Thirty Seven. And so they got together and they agreed on a a format for the races, which is in the rule book of what a hare and hound should be. Uh, you know, in terms of mileage and what loops should look like. They agreed on what they thought the level of difficulty should be. And what they wanted to do was do something a little different than what the National Series is doing. And I want to I start off by saying that, that what they're doing, it, it, they, their thought was never to take anything away from the National Series. The National Series, it, the NHHA, is an extremely successful series. It has a huge following of, of both pro and amateur riders, and they what they provide for their ridership is a particular type of, of race. Um, but what the other clubs thought was that there might be a, a group of riders or a section of riders that are not being served because they, they feel like uh, they don't 
like they're not prepared physically uh, to go race uh, the level of race that a na- national presents. And again, that's not to say, and I'm not saying anything bad about the National Series whatsoever. I, I, I'm prepping a bike in my garage right now to go race uh, hundreds next weekend. So I, look, I, I race those races. Uh, you know, when, they, when they're in district, I, I, I can't travel. I can't just, I can't take the time off of work to go travel. If they were closer, I probably would, would race those races. Uh, so look, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of what it is that they do. Um, but these clubs wanted to do something that was just a little bit different to try and attract riders into District 37 and kind of introduce them or reintroduce them to Heron Hounds within District 37. And hopefully those riders decide that what they want to do is they want to race District 37 Heron Hounds and then they want to they want to venture off to go race uh, the, the National Heron Hounds Series as well. So those clubs, uh, starting with Checkers, who are going to be the first race in 2020, uh, followed by DMC. Uh, which will have their race in the end of January. And DMC will also be a National Heron Hound. It will pay National Heron Hound points. And then the third race of that series will be four races, and they will be in February. And then the last race of that series will be uh, SoCal MC, and their race will be in the the middle of April. So there will be four races. It's a quick series held in the cooler months uh, of the year. Uh, It will not offer a plate, but what it will offer is bragging rights. You will have the bragging rights we, uh, to say that you were a Heron Hound champion, a District 37 Heron Hound champion. Every skill in every class will receive a, a jacket. The jacket will have stitched on it the Three Brothers logo because Three Brothers is the title sponsor of the District 37 Heron Hound series. And then on the other side, it will have stitched in it the logo for the District 37 Heron Hound Series, and it will say Class Champion. Now, I got to tell you, if I was able to earn one of those jackets, it would probably be the only piece of clothing that I would wear from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, because it means a big deal to be that guy. Listen, the fastest racers in the country race right here in District 37. And there is something unique to racing a desert race in District 37, in the desert in District 37. Two of the races will be in the Red Mountain area and two of the races will be in the Johnson Valley area. And that is Southern California desert racing at its best. And I don't care where you go, anybody that has even heard of desert racing, if they see you wearing that jacket, they know you're somebody and you earned that thing. So I could not be more excited for what's coming up. And this is probably a perfect time to talk about some changes that we're going to do with the Wide Open Podcast. We have uh, kind of worked a deal that the Wide Open Podcast is going to become a a bi-weekly podcast. We're going to do it every other week. The podcast is going to be recorded and filmed on the showroom floor from Three Brothers in Costa Mesa. It is our hope that uh, we will have everything set up Uh, with an actual producer, someone other than the big dummy that I am, will actually produce the show. And we're going to do it from the showroom of Three Brothers. And it's going to come out, like I said, you know, bi-weekly. And we will discuss everything that is happening in West Coast racing. Uh, And as we lead up into the Hare and Hound series and the other series that are happening within District 37, we will have special guests come in. Uh, We plan on with the Hare and Hound series having the loop captains of of those four races come in, talk about their races, give you the lowdown on what you can expect when you come to their races. Uh, In December, uh, uh, we're hoping late November, early December, uh, with uh, with the first podcast about the Hare and Hound series, 
with the loop captains from for the checkers race we're also going to do a a basically a desert racing 101 101 for the for a new desert racer because listen we all understand i've been racing desert for for quite a while longer than some not as long as others but i were but the the question was posed to me from some gp guys who were interested in coming out and racing some desert races and then from some people who were not involved with with racing at all who just happened to hear you know how much I talk about racing and how involved I am at racing. They talk about how how just completely intimidating it is to to go to a desert race. The signing up of a how do you find where the race is? How do you sign up for the race? What what should you have on your bike so that you can actually do that race? How do you get to the start? What how do you pit? What, who pits you? Th- those are all legitimate questions that a lot of us take for granted because we race a whole bunch of races and you're, you're in a club or you've got a group of people that you race with that help you get all that done. But imagine if, you, if, it, w- if it was your first time racing, how completely overwhelming that could be. I mean, I remember when I was 18 years old and I went to my very first motocross race, man, I was like a fish out of water. I didn't know what I was doing and trying to sign up and go race and all those types of things. Man, I was lost. And, and that feeling didn't fade when I found desert racing, because I didn't know anybody, I just, I heard about desert racing and I sought it out. So I had to really want to do it when I came to do it, to figure the whole thing out. And and that may be part of what it is that keeps people from, com- from coming to race desert racing. So we're going to dedicate a lot of time on that first live podcast that we filmed from Three Brothers to going through all those things. We'll walk you through how it is that you actually get to the race, how it is that you sign up for the race, how do you get to the start of the race. And then we'll walk through just some very minor things that you might want to do to your bike to make your first desert race a little more successful, to make sure that you can complete the race. You know, little bolt-on things that you can do to your bike to make sure that your bike is going to finish a desert race. And things that you might want to think about leading into a desert race to make sure that you're prepared, both physically and mentally. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, getting to the mental aspect of racing, I wanted to talk about today's race. And this was something that I was thinking about when I was driving home from the race. You know, I I could not have been more excited about going to this race uh than any other race all year long. I mean, I I you know, I had been talking to a lot of people about how excited I was to go to UMC. I couldn't wait to get to UMC. I really enjoyed the races, the races that they put on in the past when they did a sprint enduro, and I was really looking forward to going to this race. And so I thought that the best thing that I could do to get myself prepared to go race UMC was a steady diet of whiskey and potato chips. So my body was not prepared whatsoever to go out and race a physically demanding race. Now, to, it's not like I changed my diet throughout the course of the year to from one race to the other that's pretty much my diet all the time you know and as most of you can see i look like my diet is whiskey and potato chips but i have some races that are pretty good races where i'm able to where that doesn't matter i power through and it got me thinking what's the difference i was driving home thinking what am i doing different and it occurred to me that i've had so much going on in my life that my mind was just not in the right place to actually go and and be mentally prepared for the demands of what this race was going to be was going to be or any other race for that matter and you know everybody goes to get something different out of out of a desert race you know 
some people are going there to be competitive, and I, and I like to think that that's why I'm going. Some people go for just the, the challenge, to the, the personal challenge of, of completing it. Some people go for the social aspect of hanging out with their club or hanging out with people within district or other races that they line up against. So everybody's looking for something different. But I don't think that I'm unique in, in being disappointed when I drive home from a race and I feel like I did not live up to to the expectations that I had for myself when I when I go to the race. I, as a matter of fact, I would hazard to say that most people, if you didn't win, drive home with some sense of disappointment in how it is that you performed. And, and I think that that's probably one of the things that keeps you going back to desert racing. So I, I drove home from this race, well, in the middle of the race while I was racing, and I, and I realized I had no business being on the course, I was just going to get hurt. So I, so I quit. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it right now, I quit. And, and it kills me to say that I quit. And so, I, so that starts the process of you beating yourself up that you quit. Was it the right decision to make? Yeah, probably, because my head was not in the right place for anything good to happen at that race. But, I, but, but still, I quit. And for a desert racer to say that they quit, or any type of racer to say that they quit, that's a tough pill to swallow. But I'll admit it here, for the, for the purposes of this podcast and to help anybody else that may be going through the same thing that I'm going through right now, I quit. And I'm here to say that I think it's okay. I'm not saying that you should go to every race and it's okay to quit every race, but I'm saying that from time to time, sometimes that's the right decision to make because, you know, there was nothing good that was going to come for me being on the course. And, you know, to get back to the whole being prepared for a race, you know, we, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time uh, trying to make sure that they're physically prepared for the demands of a desert race. But the physicality of a desert race, I'm going to say, is probably only 20% of what it requires to actually finish a race. Because the, the demands of a desert race, are, 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 they're mentally strenuous. It's an extremely difficult thing what it is that we, we choose to do. I mean, think about this. Just think about it. This should put into perspective a desert racer. We'll go out and spend thousands of dollars on a motorcycle that we know as soon as we drop down that money that we're going to go and destroy at a race. I'm, I don't care if it's a, a Heron Hound or a Euro Scramble or a Sprint Enduro or a Grand Prix. You're, you're going to go do serious wear and tear on something that you just plunked down thousands of dollars of your hard-earned cash on. So right off the bat, that's ridiculous, but we do it. And then you go and you put, your, put yourself in peril to, to go race the races that we race, okay? That's the second part of, of what it is we do that's crazy, okay? And then, you, I mean, there's so many things that factor into that. And why do we do it? For a pin. You know, but I love every single pin that I have. And I don't think that we're stupid for doing what we, what we do. I think that we're, uh, I think that we're badass. I mean, we're tough. Desert races are tough. But... It's something that we, one of the things that we need to take into consideration is that you need to make sure that you're mentally prepared to go out and race that race. And, and I'm going to tell you, for me, I wasn't mentally prepared. I wasn't. And, you know, it's, it, any number of things can be, you know, in your head uh, when you're heading to the race. You may not, might, might not even really, you know, be focusing on that stuff. It just may be just below the surface, you know, uh, work. 
family, for me, dis, you know, whatever's going on in district, club, all those things, you know, they're all right below the surface for me. And sometimes all those things just, they, they are so overwhelming that it makes it difficult for me to focus on the task at hand, which is trying to make sure that I go out and I'm safe when I'm, when I'm out racing. And today just wasn't that day. So why am I sharing all of this? I'm sharing all of this because I think that I'm not the only one that goes through these types of things. And I'm probably not the only one that agonizes over, over the aftermath of a race that you go to when you don't feel like you performed at the level that you're accustomed to performing at or, or the level that you think you should be performing at. Or, or just to, to, to say it in a, in a different term, when your expectation your expectations do not meet your skill. And, and that's where I was today. And I'm sure a lot of other people feel like that today. And I'm here to tell you it's okay. And you know why it's okay? Because next weekend there's another race and you have the opportunity to go out and, and race that race at the level that you thought you should have raced this race at. Desert racing is almost like golf. And I, I've golfed a few times, and but I, my dad is an avid golfer, and, I, and he, you know, he'll call me. He golfs three, four times a week, and he'll call me after every time he golfs and tells me, you know, what his score was. Like that means something to me. From my understanding of golf, lower score is good, higher score is bad, and he'll call me and tell me about his score, and he'll just sometimes he'll call and tell me, you know, it'll be like call after call after call of him just being frustrated about his golf game and I'm thinking to myself why do you keep doing this so you just call every time that you're frustrated about this hitting this stupid ball and 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 then he'll call and he and all of a sudden he will have shaved 20 points off of his score he'll just have a, a stellar game and that's it it gets him hooked and desert racing is kind of the same way. You know, you may ride and ride and ride and ride and you're thinking, why am I doing this? I'm just abusing my body and, and my bike and, I, and my finishes aren't where I want them to be. And then all of a sudden you have just a fantastic race. It all clicks. The course is what you want it to be. The wind's blowing the dust away from your face. You see all the markings. You don't miss any turns. You don't have any issues with your, with your bike. You were physically and mentally prepared and you have the ride of your life. And that ride right there is, is what you expect from that point on. And, and you get discouraged when it's not. And then you'll have another ride like that. And then, and then you keep expecting that those rides are going to be the same. But that's what keeps you coming back. And that's kind of the beauty of what it is that we do is that you have these flashes of greatness. And I don't care who you are. And, and, and greatness can really be on a sliding scale depending on, you know, where, where your skill level is at and where it is you're hoping to go. And, you know, I mean, I'm no pro and I'm never going to be a pro. And I'm probably not ever going to be one of the faster guys in my class. But I, have a, I, I know where it is that I should be riding when I know that I'm having a good ride. And what I can tell you is today wasn't that day. But I can also tell you that I have that I rode home or I drove home feeling discouraged. But as soon as I got home and I unloaded the bike and I looked at the other bike that was in the garage that I want to race next weekend, I had hope. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about what it is that we do is that even as discouraged as you can be uh, after you leave a race, as soon as you get home, it's almost like that's washed away and you have hope for the following weekend. And when, when a lot of people tell me, though, we have entirely too many races. Uh, you know, if you're chasing a plate, it's like a race every week, every week, every week. I, I look at it like I've got, I have hope every week. I have hope that I can be better every week. I don't have to wait a month for the hope that I'm going to be better. 
I know that as soon as I get home and I unload my bike, I've only got seven days until I can start it all over again. And I have that hope of being better than I was today, seven days from now. And for me, that's one of the beauties of desert racing. And I hope that if you're new to desert racing and you're listening to this podcast and you didn't and you've raced a couple of desert races and they haven't been what it was that you wanted to be, that you don't give up on it. Because racing is like anything else in life. It requires a little bit, the little bit of effort that you put into it gives you a lifetime of satisfaction with what you get out of it. And not just in terms of the racing, but the racing and the people and and the experiences and everything that goes along with racing. So, like I said, it's been quite a while since we did a podcast and there were just, I didn't feel like I had anything that was important to say. Today was bothering me when I was driving home. And I thought that, uh, you know, I'd sit down, we'd talk a little bit about some things that we have coming up, uh, and we would talk a little, you know, and I would just kind of share stories, which is what this podcast is all about. I'm super excited about the future of the podcast. Uh, like we said earlier, you know, earlier on the show, we have some, we, you know, the podcast is, is stepping up to the next level. It's not going to be me talking, you know, no more Dr. Phil show. I'm going to, I get to be the host. And we're going to talk to people who have, uh, have insight into what's going on in West Coast racing. And we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about all West Coast racing. Obviously, my heart's in District 37, but that doesn't mean that that's the only place that I race. And that's certainly not the only thing that, that we plan on covering. We're going to talk about everything that happens on the West Coast. Uh, and not just in, you know, in the States. We're, we're hoping that we can cover, uh, we can get guests to come in and talk about uh, what's happening in Mexico. We want to talk about, you know, we're going to, this is going to happen uh, shortly after the riders come back from ISDE. And we've got a lot of District 37 uh, support or representatives uh, going to ISDE. You know, and, uh, you know, so we're really looking forward to talking to them when they come back so they can share their experiences. We've got, uh, we've got our local hero, Ricky Brabeck, who is, uh, he's not long to, to head back to Dakar. We're hoping to talk to Ricky before and after he, you know, he uh, before he leaves and after he comes back. Hopefully, as uh, as a Dakar champion, we have everything that's happening uh, down in Baja, and we hope to talk to all the Baja teams. You know, and a lot of those Baja teams and a lot of the riders on those teams have worked their way through District Thirty Seven. We want to talk to them. Something near and dear to a lot of our local riders is racing SRA. We'd like to have Rich Suter come in and sit down and talk talk with us about. SRA, where it started. Tell us about how his, you know, tell us about his dad, the history of SRA, and what's happening with that. Because I tell you what, it's a, it's a who's who when you go to race an SRA race. I love going to those SRA races. It's quick to run down there, race, and you just never know who's going to show up. And it's just, it's a blast just to be there. We're going to talk about works. Uh, we, I'm, I'm really excited about the, about the 2020 season. Uh, for both District 37 and Works, because it looks like we have finally worked out all of our scheduling conflicts, and I don't think we have one conflict between a Sprint Enduro and a Sprint Hero and an NGCP Big Six race and a Works Grand Prix. And that right there, if that's all we talked about in this podcast tonight, that right there is success. It's something we've been working on and hoping that would happen for years and years, and it looks like we are finally there. What that means for, the, for riders, okay, riders who are looking for just a series to race, is that you, if, you like the, if you like the enduro format, you can race both 
the District 37 Sprint Enduro Series and the Works Sprint Hero Race without any conflicts. You can chase a plate in both of those. And if you're a Grand Prix guy, what that does is that that doubles the amount of Grand Prix that you have to race throughout the course of the year by being by there being no conflicts between Big Six NGCP and and Works Grand Prix. You can race them both. I it's my hope that somewhere down the road that we can manage to work that out so that we would have a maybe a Works District 37 shootout so that we could we could ultimately crown someone who is the absolute champion between those two series. Uh, you know, it's something that we've kicked around. It's something that we would, you know, we would like to do. And hopefully that's something in the future that we can do. But that's super exciting news that that we've been able to work this out for for what's in the best interest of the West Coast rider, that you if you can race whatever you want to race without there being any conflicts. So that right there, that's my hats off to, to all the boys over at Big Six and everybody at Works for them being able to sit down and, and make that all work and and. You know, it's the same people that are working behind the scenes to make sure that we avoid those conflicts uh, between between the uh, NGCP and the and Works uh, Grand Prix series and also the Sprint Enduro and the Sprint Hero series. Uh, I mean, that's that's been a lot of work behind the scenes, and so you know, you know, that's uh, my hats off to them, and they they deserve a uh, you know a lot of thanks for working as hard as they've worked to make all of that happen. Um. The desert stuff. Man, I tell you what, uh, if you are an avid desert racer and desert is what it is that you like to do, the direction that the District 37 Desert Clubs are going for 2020 to try and provide the best possible race format that they can for you, the District 37 Desert Racer, or for you, the desert racer who hasn't yet come to District 37, I'm telling you, I've never seen them work as hard as they're working now to try and make sure that they provide the best possible racing that they absolutely can to get you to come out and enjoy your experience in the desert. That that's the whole reason behind why the clubs have some of the clubs have grouped together and tried to make these sub series is what we like to call them to give you an opportunity if, to find a format that you like and race a few of those and then venture out into something else. We were hoping with the with the Sprint Enduro series that it would attract that the Sprint Enduro series would attract some riders from from the Grand Prix side of things to come out and try things. And really what we saw was, you know, based on what I, what I've seen is that we we seem to get the enduro rider back, the enduro rider who had who has long been overlooked uh, with with a lot of the enduro clubs kind of going into hiatus. Uh, it brought the enduro riders back. And so you've got enduro riders, you've got Grand Prix riders that are coming to race those. And then you have the desert races that are coming out to race those things as well. You know, I think the turnout today was somewhere in the neighborhood of 260 riders. Uh, you know, and so, you know, they've maintained a pretty, pretty solid ridership for that series from its inception. That's, that's, that's very positive. Um, I, I, have, I feel very positive about what's going to happen with the Heron Hound Series for 2020. Again, attracting riders back to a small sub-series to get them to come and race. And there are rumors, there are rumors that all of the, that the, that the other clubs that have put on uh, Euro Scrambles and Desert Scrambles are, are talking about how they can get together and put together a series of races that would be uh, a, a short course desert racing format to try and get riders to come out and try those. And, you know, it's, it seems to have worked for the other series where collectively they work together to try and make sure that all of their races are good races. They're all responsible to each other. Uh, and then they, they find a way to sell that 
or market that to, to the riders to get to get people to know what it is they're doing. I mean, if you're a desert, or if you're a District 37 regular, you already know what's going on. But listen, we're trying to get everybody else who isn't racing District 37 racing to come out and 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 give it a shot. You know, look, we, I, I look, I'm I I love District 37. I love desert racing, and I want everybody to try it. You know, so how do we how do we do that? Well, we think we're moving in the right direction. We're getting that. But part of that is getting the word out to people who are to your casual rider who's out there who maybe he w- maybe he was out there riding around the desert this weekend and he saw a bunch of people look like they were in a race and he thought how how the heck do I do that well that's what we're trying to do sell sell our racing to that guy and get him to come and love District Thirty Seven and desert racing as much as as everybody who's listening to this podcast does so there you go that's my sales pitch I'll get off the pulpit I'll I'm gonna step down from my soapbox. I just want to, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast. Uh, there's, you know, it's growing slowly and, and not as fast as I would like, but a lot of that's, well, that's all my fault because I don't do it on a regular basis. But we look at the podcast like it's an opportunity for us to share information of what's happening within District 37 and what's happening with West Coast Racing and what it, and, and try and get uh, the vision out there for where it is we want to go and then get the feedback. I, I can't tell you how many people listen to what, listen to this podcast, listen to what it is that we talk about on the po- on the podcast. And then they approach me at the races and they tell me, Hey, you know what? I heard what it is you were talking about. How about this? Or how about that? Or what if we did this? Or what if we did that? And I want to tell, I want to tell you right now, if you're one of those people that's listening to the podcast, I hear what everybody says. I mean, it, I am, it shapes my view of the direction that I try and help the district go. So there is no opinion that I that is, you know, off off subject or off topic. There's nobody that I don't want to hear from uh, with what your ideas are and how we can make District 37 better or make District 37 great again. It's not my district. It's our district. I just happen to be lucky enough to be sitting in this seat for a little while. And while I'm sitting in the seat, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that every voice is heard and we get district moving in the direction that you, the District 37 rider, you, the West Coast racer, wants it to go. So whatever type of racing it is that you want to see, whatever direction you want us to go, you tell me, and that's where we're going to go. So I think that that's about where we should probably call this a day. So I want to thank you all for listening to the Wide Open Podcast. And as always, we'll see you at the races. Don't miss out on hundreds. It's going to be epic. Good night, everybody.